the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hey, it's the Nick D Podcast. I'm Nick DeGilio, your host. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. It is episode number 72 and a loaded episode for you on this Tuesday. Hey, you want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast as an advertiser? Advertise with us. It'll be a good thing for you. Sponsor us. Contact sales at radiomisfits.com. Voicemail, emails, 24-7, feedback, all of that. We want to hear from you. 773-417-6948. Email us, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs, the wonderful Jason Skaggs. I'm part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the best podcast network in the world. Thank you to Ed and all the other incredible podcasts there. Rate and review us on every platform. Please take the time to do that. And uh, coming up, we will be talking with uh, Dan Feinberg from The Hollywood Reporter. Lots of TV stuff to talk about all the time, every other week. One of the best, most entertaining, and the guy who knows more about TV than any human on the planet. We'll do a, a, a wrap-up of the Emmys as well. Esmeralda Leon will be joining us. We'll talk more about weird laws and some backstories to famous songs. we got some emails and some voicemails to catch up with with Esmeralda. And we're going to talk with Mike Kurz from the Midway Drive-In from Flashback Weekend. Uh, horror convention. Well, there's a really cool event that's coming up, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Mike uh, about that. And of course, Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Thank you, baby. I love you, baby. You know that. All right. Well, listen, let's jump right into it. I want to talk to Mike Kurz about this really incredible event that involves the drive in and horror movies, which will run throughout all of October. Uh, and I will talk with Mike after I tell you congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackoff. Always a pleasure to uh, to talk to uh, my first guest here on uh, on this episode of the podcast. Mike Kurz and I go way back, <laughs> way, way back. Uh, and uh, Mike and Mia and his family run the fantastic uh, Flashback Weekend Horror Convention, of which I've mentioned many, many times, had guests on this podcast and back on my radio show as well. And I've been associated with that since the beginning. And uh, I love what Mike and Mia do. They also run the Midway Drive-In in Dixon, Illinois, um, which is a great, amazing place. And they do wonderful, uh, they, they show first-run movies and all kinds of other stuff. And they do also really some special programs throughout the year. And there's a really incredible event that's happening where uh, the drive-ins throughout uh, the country are actually uniting for one wonderful event that involves my favorite holiday of the year. And I know it's Mike's favorite holiday of the year, Halloween. And we wanted to get Mike to talk about what was happening at the event and where you can see amazing horror movies and all that cool stuff. So let's welcome Mike Kurz to uh, the, the podcast. Hi, Mike. How are you? 
Good. How are you doing, Nick? Uh, I'm good, man. Good to always good to hear from you. Uh, congratulations on a, on such a really incredibly fun and very successful uh, flashback weekend, 20th anniversary. What a wonderful weekend, uh, you know. And, and I missed it last year, and I was very upset that I did. But I came back this year, and it was just fantastic. Congratulations on the success. Great. Well, thank you for being such a large part of it, Nick, Nick these yeah. past 20 years. We appreciate I, it. I appreciate it. It's just so, so awesome to see how it's grown. Mike, I was there with you when you thought of it, <laughs> you know, and then when you guys finally started doing it and to see it grow the way it has. And it's the best run uh, horror convention um, in the country. And, you know, I've said that before, but you guys, the Kerr's family, you guys care about movies. You care about horror movies. You love it. And first and foremost, what makes it different is that you guys are actually fans. You know what I mean? And that's what makes it different, I think. We are. And the reason for it is the Flashback Weekend, why we founded it is so we could uh, sort of honor, pay tribute, celebrate our favorite films and the directors and talent, the actors that, that made the films. Yeah. Well, you do that every year. It's great. Now, uh, it, it, when, did the, the, when did you guys uh, purchase and begin running the Midway Drive-In in Dixon? That was 15 years ago, back in August of 2007. Wow. Has it been 15 years, Mike? Man. Yeah. Jeez, time just flies, man. Um, and, uh, you know, and I know that you love the drive-in. What was it, what, what was it about uh, the drive-in that, what is it about the drive-in that makes it special that, that you guys love to run it? Good question. Well, some of my fondest memories growing up were of going to the drive-in with friends and family. And it really is just an amazing experience uh, seeing the movie projected way larger than life. The, the drive-in screens are, are far larger than even indoor screens, right. 90, 100, 120 feet wide. And seeing them under the stars, it's just an all-immersive experience. Yeah. And it's so special, arriving early, being with your friends and family, waiting for the sun to go down, yeah. the movie under the stars, it's just a amazing experience. Yeah, I grew up in Chicago, as you know, Mike, and so some of the drive-ins that I used to go to when I was a kid, we went to the Double, we went to the Bel Air, the Sunset uh, in Lincolnwood. That was the one that I went to all the I time. Remember the Sunset over on uh, McCormick, I believe. McCormick, it was. Yeah. And, yeah, McCormick. Uh, right, it's there, it's a it's a it's a Red Lobster now, Mike. I just thought you might want to know yeah, that. Yeah, it's too sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so sad. Har- yeah. Harlem Irving, uh, the Harlem Irving yeah. drive-in. I went to that one a ton of times, and, there, and so many others uh, that, you know, worth mentioning. And, of course, now there just aren't as many because, you know, uh, as you know, uh, real estate and land and all that stuff. And, yeah. and it's sad that, that so many drive-ins have, have been gone. But uh, you guys have united. Tell me about, first of all, tell me about the United Drive-In Theaters Owners Association uh, or the U-D-I-T-O-A, for short. Yes. Uh, tell me U-T-O-T-A, about that association. Yes. Utoda, Utoda, yes. yeah, okay. Yes, just a great organization. In fact, at one point, drive-ins theaters outnumbered indoor theaters back in the 50s. Amazing. And, and uh, drive-in theaters saved the movie industry back in the 50s when TV came up out and, and it was just disastrous for the, uh, for the indoor theaters. And, uh, and, but drive-ins came along and just the popularity... It became America's greatest pastime. Sorry, baseball. It's driving theaters that are America's <laughs> greatest pastime. Yeah, yeah. And uh, or, or they can share the, the title, and uh, and and driving's really saved it. But and and driving theaters, sadly, the owners at the time, they didn't unite 
to form a trade organization to represent their interests within the industry. And they were just all, there were like thousands of independent drive-ins and, uh, and that hurt drive-ins as much as anything else with regard to the decline. So, sure, uh, sure, yeah. So, but, but then back in the late 90s, these great drive-in owners got together and formed a trade organization to uh, unite drive-in theaters to represent their interests within the, the, uh, the film industry and to, and to help everyone so that way owners could talk and, uh, and help each other. And so it's a great organization. And it's really uh, uh, back f- several years ago when the digital conversion happened, when right. the studio started, started to stop making 35-millimeter prints and right. the digital projectors came about. This great organization really helped so many drive-ins get the digital projectors to be a voice and to come together. So, and then a couple of years ago, when COVID hit, us drive-in owners talking and and helping each other helped us through that. Uh, yeah, yeah. With policies and so, and, yeah. and so Udota is just a great organization that's really and it's uh, non-for-profit and it's just uh, and any real any authentic drive-in can join the organization it's for, for really a nominal fee less yeah. than a hundred dollars yeah. and uh, per year and and it's really great just being you know brotherhood and sisterhood yeah. of, of yeah, all yeah. the drive-in owners and uh, drive-in owners it's really labor of love for everyone and it's and it's really just uh really the american spirit in terms of entrepreneurism and having a dream if you build it they will come sure and 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 so everyone, every drive-in owner does it for love of movies, for love right. of drive-ins. Well, so the it, best, it, yeah. and, and, and that's one of the reasons why the drive-ins are so special, uh, and they represent America and Americana, no question about it. AuthenticDriveIns.com is the website where you can get all the information, AuthenticDriveIns.com. And your website, your, your drive-in is the MidwayDriveIn.com. Now, it's interesting that we're talking about this kind of at the end of the drive-in season, but there's an incredible event that is tied in with Halloween, which is in October, and throughout the rest of September and all of October, across the country, people will be, um, the drive-ins will be uh, uh, participating in what they're calling the Authentic Drive-Ins Horror Fest. Um, uh, Tell us about the fest and uh, what we can expect and uh, some of the incredible movies and events that are happening around the country, and then tell us what's playing at the Midway for your your all-night fest. Well, thank you. So for the Authentic Drive-Ins, this is another thing where uh, it's a website where Drive-in theater owners across the country have united to create a website. And so this is the first website, AuthenticDriveIns.com, which was created by drive-in owners so that way we could uh, unite together and uh, give give uh, the drive-in attendees and fans right. a chance to uh, come to a website that's created by drive-in owners, maintained by drive-in owners, to, uh, to share our love of drive-in theaters right. and, and the whole experience. So it's right. authenticdriveins.com. Right. And uh and we launched it this past summer very successfully and uh and this is our first major event to where uh so many uh, many drive-in owners have come together to host a uh horror film festivals at our drive-ins across the country. Right. And and so, so what what's What's playing? What's playing? Let's let's get to let's get to the midway. What's playing at the midway? When is it? And it's it's four films. You're gonna have uh, all kinds of really cool things and 
uh, one of the films is any anybody who's never seen John Carpenter's uh, They Live on the big screen at the drive-in is in for an unbelievable treat. But what is playing uh, on the weekend that you guys are doing your fest at Midway? Well, we are sh- we are showing John Carpenter's They Live, mm-hmm. and it will have a full life-size uh, alien from They Live there. At I've, the met, I've met people. him. He's an, I've met him. He's yes. a nice guy. He's a nice guy. Yes, yeah, he's a nice yes. Guy. and he will... <laughs> And you can post for free selfies with him. Right. And also, and we, then, hope that, we hope that you consume at the uh, concession store. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, not too subliminally, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. And um, then we'll be showing uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Considered by many. Considered by, considered by many to be the best of the, of, of the series. Yeah, and it it is. It's, it's just, just, if you look at the cast, Crispin Glover and Kimberly Beck, Massacre at Central High, and uh, yeah, 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 and it really has just uh, Peter Barton, and mm-hmm. you know, the list goes down, and uh, it's just a great casting with Tom Savini special effects, and uh, yeah, that's got the machete effect, which is one of the greatest uh, makeup effects that uh, that Savini's ever done. Yeah, yeah, and so, uh, so like I said, it's one of the one of the best of the series, yeah. if not yep. the, and then we'll be, and then for the, and then for. For the second half of the program, we wanted to devote it to pure, pure drive-in midnight movie grindhouse yeah. films that, that were so famous at, at drive-ins. Across. So we'll be showing pieces from uh, 1982 and classic, uh, classic, and and just how would you describe pieces, Nick? I really, <laughs> first of all, I mean, <laughs> it's very difficult to describe. It's a, it is, but it's yes. definitely it's definitely worth seeing. And then the other one that you're showing is a classic as well. Yeah, yeah, and then the fourth one is Doctor Butcher, MD, and yeah. uh, one of, and our sponsor for the evening, Sovereign Films. They're providing us with barf bags for the first five hundred <laughs> attendees. Because when the film opened, uh, Doctor yeah. Butcher, MD, you you got a when you went to see it on Forty Second yeah. Street or at a drive-in theater, yeah. you got I, a barf bag. I, I do again. I, I, I am eternally grateful to you guys for getting me a uh, a replacement for my. For my uh, uh, barf bag that I got uh, for uh, uh, the the devil, uh, what goddamn? Why am I blanking on the name of the movie? The Mark uh, of the Devil. Mark of the Devil. Yes, Mark of the Devil went to the McVickers Theater. My dad paid off the guy. Uh, <laughs> I had the, uh, and I because I wanted a barf bag. I got the barf bag, and then years later, you guys got me a, a copy of it. So you can get your own barf bag if you go Midway Drive-in. And when is this event? Uh, so that people this call is, at the Midway Drive-in. This is this coming Saturday, September the twenty fourth. September the twenty fourth. And it's uh, actually more than just a movie showings. At 5 p.m., we'll be opening up. We'll be having a horror a flea market to where we'll have horror vendors that'll be selling uh, a huge collection of movie memorabilia. Yeah. Of course, Jill from Licks will be there. Yes, the I love those. They Jill sp- and I, Greg will be there. I spend so much money every year at their booth. It's ridiculous. <laughs> they have such amazing, amazing stuff. Amazing. Yeah, and, and the hoodies are just just great. And then yeah. there's I, other I, apparel by, as well. Mike, I'm wearing a fa- my Phantasm hoodie that I, I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I bought it this year at uh, at Flashback. So, so I, I do want to mention quickly uh, that that's happening September twenty fourth. Midway Drive In. Check out midwaydrivein dot com for the whole schedule. All kinds of really cool stuff happening besides the the great uh, four horror films. Part of that, the barf bags and all that cool stuff. 
uh, concession stand, amazing, all that stuff, Midway Drive-In. But AuthenticDriveIns.com is where you can visit and you can check out the entire nationwide thing. Uh, really quickly, Mike, rattle off some of the titles that are being shown across the country. And this is happening throughout the entire month of August. So if you're listening anywhere in the country, if you're listening anywhere, Midwest, country, whatever, where you are, look it up at AuthenticDriveIns.com. If you like horror movies, if you love Halloween, if you love horror films, uh, rattle off some of the titles that are going to be showing well, across well, the country. Well, Allow me to mention another Illinois drive-in, the Harvest Moon Twin Drive-in. Okay. Th- th- they have a great uh, program where they really decorate the drive-in, and it's like a horror theme park for, with photo ops and right. costume contests. Right. So that's the Harvest Moon Drive-in. And, uh, and uh, just writing down the list, it's, it's really all of the classic. Yeah. Just uh, th- throughout the country and uh, – I'm looking and at really some of these titles. The it's yes. crazy. I'm looking at some of these titles, uh, uh, and, and I'm just rattling them off. These are all over the – again, all the details are at AuthenticDriveIns.com for this entire month-long celebration of horror at drive-ins throughout the country. Here are just some of the titles. Maximum Overdrive, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Original Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Hostel, Monster, Monster Squad, The Howling. Uh, there is a uh, Christopher Lee uh, uh, in Wisconsin. They're doing a Christopher Lee salute. Of course, yeah, yeah, uh, Frank and that's is, at the Riverside Drive-In in uh, – Pennsylvania. Uh, that's in Pennsylvania. Okay. Wicker yeah. Man Horror Express, The Devil of Daughter, Count Dracula. Uh, they're doing uh, uh, all kinds of uh, amazing stuff. Halloween, the original Halloween, the original thing. And then also there are some new things, new movies that are out that people are going to be showing. Like, uh, you know, like Smile is a horror film that opens up at the end of the month. Barbarian is being shown at some of these drive-ins uh, and some of the newer things. Uh, but this is all happening throughout the entire month. Uh, yours is the, your your uh, is this week, and then but you guys are doing another. You guys are doing Halloween ends. You're showing Halloween ends when yes, that opens. We'll correct? be showing that. In fact, many of us drive-ins will be, be will be showing the classics leading up to it, and then we'll be showing Halloween ends. And for us, the first week we'll be showing Halloween ends and uh, and the Black Phone, and then the uh, second week we'll be showing Halloween ends and John Carpenter's The Thing. So oh my we'll fit that god! In. Oh my and, god! Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and and for just some, if you look at all the drive-ins across the country, John Carpenter's Halloween Night, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, The Exorcist, the uh, Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, of course, and uh, the Mahoning Drive-In will be showing uh, a Freddy Fest of the first six Nightmare on Elm Street wow. movies. Wow, wow. And then also Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead, Friday the 13th, and right. uh, Rocky Classics. Horror Picture Show. And also... Not in the classics, but also all many subgenres of the drive-in horror movies will be shown. Will be yeah. uh, drive-ins will be showing. I drink your blood. <laughs> Classic. And uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis Blood Feast and Two Thousand Maniacs. Yeah, and, it's a, it's uh, a veritable it's a cornucopia of classics and new things and awesome events. It's great. So and and congratulations on getting this organization together, you guys. Uh, it, it and you know I know the drive-ins need as much help as they can get. And I'm glad they're getting it. And so uh, for the, the rest of the month of September and throughout the entire month of October, Horror Halloween Fest, September 24th at Midway Drive-In. Make sure you go to check that out. Check out MidwayDriveIn.com. And for information about this great event that's happening across uh, the country, AuthenticDriveIns.com. AuthenticDriveIns.com. Uh, Mike, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk soon. And I hope you have uh, cars lined around the country uh, for, for next weekend. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, buddy. Take care. Thanks. All right, you too. There you go. There's uh, Mike Kurz, uh, who is a great buddy of mine. Check out AuthenticDriveIns.com 
for the Horror Fest that's happening across the country. And you'll be hearing a lot about Halloween during the next month on this podcast. It's my favorite holiday of the year. And so there you go. And also check out MidwayDriveIn.com this weekend. Go to, uh, go to the Midway Drive-In in Dixon, Illinois. All right. Had to talk about drive-ins. Uh, and now we're going to talk about TV with my good friend and yours, Dan Feinberg. Dan Feinberg. Dan Feinberg. And now, all the way from somewhere else, Dan Feinberg. Yes. And that somewhere else is L.A. And uh, we always talk to Dan Feinberg. Dan is the most knowledgeable guy about television that I've ever met. And uh, has been a contributor to uh, my radio show for many years and now my podcast since I started. It's always great to have him back. He writes for The Hollywood Reporter. He has a website called The Fine Print, F-I-E-N, where you can follow him on all the socials in that regard. And it's always a pleasure to welcome Dan to the podcast. Hi, Dan. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Nick. Oh, all right. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, 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 I, I, did we miss a week or am I nuts? Uh, we did. We, didn't we? I, we missed a week or we postponed a week or something. There, there was that whole Emmy Awards thing that right. happened last week and that got in the way of our normal That's conversation. What time. Well, well, what the hell? Let's start off with that. People, by the way, the fine print, F-I-E-N, fineprint.com, Hollywood Reporter, Read all about the great reviews and the great stuff. And the podcast, first of all, tell everybody about the podcast that you do that drops on Fridays, correct? Drops on Friday mornings. That would be TV's Top 5, the numeral 5. And I do it with my colleague Leslie Goldberg, who is an ace television reporter for The Hollywood Reporter. Each week we cover the week's biggest television stories, headlines, etc. And each week we have a fun showrunner interview. Last week we talked to Vampire Academy uh, creator and showrunner Julie Pleck. The week before that we talked with uh, two of the executive producers of Abbott Elementary and Harley Quinn, etc. It's a fun podcast and an informative podcast. All that stuff is connected through Hollywood Reporter, which is all connected through the fine print. We can take care of all of it in one place then. I am a a one-stop shop for all of your television <laughs> needs there you so go. send me money and i will oh. send you television <laughs> or there something you go. Uh, all right um well okay you did mention the emmys and it was one week ago well we're taping on a monday but it was one week ago um and uh i did read a little bit about what your thoughts were and uh, but to tell my my subscribers and my listeners your thoughts first just in 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 in, in general, about the awards themselves, the, the who they were awarded to, the winners and all that. About the awards themselves, I, I've sort of mellowed on this because, as always, you, you give me enough time and maybe I stop being like, ooh, wouldn't it have been fun if dot, 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 or wouldn't it have been cool and edgy if dot, dot, dot. Instead, we get to a point where, okay, uh, you know, if Succession won drama series again, while we are both in agreement, of course, that it is a comedy. It's a comedy, yeah. Because it's a comedy. Because it's a comedy, it, yes. It is still, to my mind, the best show that was nominated in that category, even though I have other favorite shows in that category. So, I, so I'm so i not going to feel too upset about that. Ted Lasso definitely, to me, should not have won. I don't hate Ted Lasso, though. You know, I, that's there have definitely been years where shows that I have hated have won big awards, yeah. and I didn't hate Ted Lasso, so I can't be 
angry. I can just feel like other things should have won. You had White Lotus winning a lot of things. Well, I really, really liked White Lotus. I don't think it should have been in the categories that it was nominated for because it's clearly not really a limited series. But again, that is a semantic distinction. I liked White Lotus. I am glad that it beat things I liked less. So I, I think that's kind of where I've ended up being. And then there are all of the winners that I thought were were actually kind of fun and interesting and, and led to good moments on the telecast, whether it was Cheryl Lee Ralph, whether it was Jennifer Coolidge, the couple history-making wins for uh, Squid Game, etc. So there, So when it comes to the winners themselves, they were not generally the exact things I would have picked, but... I'm only mad about a couple things. Like, yes, regular listeners, readers, etc., will know that I am ticked off that Ray Seahorn did not win for Better Call Saul, and I yeah. will be perpetually and forever because it's not that I dislike Julia Garner on Ozark, just she didn't need a third Emmy before Ray Seahorn has won. So yeah. that kind of thing still. And, I, and me. also speaking of speaking of Better Call Saul, uh, a lot of people are pissed off about Odenkirk. And I think there was there was some hope that the combination of being awesome, having yeah. been awesome for 40 plus years and having nearly died right. and been willing to talk <laughs> about having nearly died. Right. That, <laughs> that those things would combine to give him a win. And they did not. Uh, and basically, that means that all of the Better Call Saul fans are just comfortably, but also not really comfortably, irritatedly sitting back and going, okay, well, there is one more chance for the show because the last six episodes are eligible next year. Right. However, it is still a remarkable fact that as of this moment, Better Call Saul has been nominated for 46 Emmys and won zero. That is just such... Oh, come on, really? Exactly. It is is something that makes (laughs) no sense you can't get people to process it 46 nominations see zero i just assumed it had to have won in categories maybe we didn't know about or in at least writing categories and things like that but wow oh for 46 see i don't even watch the damn show and i'm stunned It, it is it is remarkable because because you know when you have a show that the Emmy voters clearly just are not aware of. There's only so much, well, you can be angry at them because heaven knows I always am, right. but, you can only, <laughs> but you can only go, so The Wire never won an Emmy. Okay, but The Wire also was only a, ever nominated for two or three Emmys, so right. what could it have won? So the Americans had all those years where it didn't win and where at no point did Carrie Russell win an Emmy. Oh, wh- Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Thank you, my friend. As always, I am here for you. Uh, but so, but it, but in that case, it took a number of years before the voters noticed it existed. But with Better Call Saul, it was a sequel to Breaking Bad, which won endless Emmys. It yeah. came out. It's been nominated almost every year for drama series. Odenkirk has been consistently nominated. Supporting actors have been nominated. It's been nominated for writing, for directing, technical things over the year, and tap yeah. one. Yeah. None of them. It's amazing. I ne- I did not know that until you. I mean, seriously, I'm stunned by that. It That's is it is incredible. amazing, and they will have one more chance. And next year, I would assume once again they will be nominated for somewhere between seven and ten Emmys. And so that means the prospect exists that the show could go over fifty five, over fifty. It makes no sense, and hopefully, Emmy voters will find a way 
to get around that because next year I'm not going to be, you know, I, no one knows the timetable yet on the next season of succession at all. I'm kind of at this point crossing my fingers that they can't get the next season done in time. And so it at least (laughs) won't be around. Uh, But yeah, no, it is, it is at this point beyond ridiculous and hopefully someone will clear up that mistake next year. Uh, And again, though, you know, all of this could have been avoided if the Emmys actually put that show in the proper category succession. (sighs) <sighs> and, and, and like, and while I agree, and while I of course agree, yeah, I feel like the voters still would have done something stupid. Right? I, well, yeah. <laughs> I just, like, I just like, and and not even necessarily stupid. I just think, I think if you right. look at the, if you look at the numbers, my guess is probably that if Succession hadn't been there, then Squid Game just wins. And uh, okay. you know, and would I have thought that? And so, I do think that I prefer Succession to Better Call Saul. I know I don't prefer Squid Game to Better Call Saul. But then I could have been annoyed yeah. by that. But right. I don't hate but I don't hate Squid Game. I thought Squid right. Game was a really good show. So yeah. it's it's tough. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into the broadcast, shall we? Um I mean, I I got to say I thought it was a train wreck. Um <laughs> I an absolute train wreck and uh, you know how I feel about Keenan. You know how I feel about Keenan Thompson. I love him. Um, uh, most of it was not his fault. <laughs> was not his fault. Uh, my favorite moment was when the Good Burger guys uh, they got reunited. That was the highlight of the whole thing for me, which I knew was going to happen. Um, the opening numbers were just weird. I, I didn't. I it it, it seemed uh, like literally. The people were up there for a millisecond before the playoff music started. We can get into that. The traffic of getting people off and on stage, and who, and the, and the, and the, the, the DJ, and then the 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 announcer, all of that stuff, just a train wreck of biblical proportions, in my opinion. Um, where, where do you stand on the broadcast, and what are some of the things you would like to share about your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I disliked it. I disliked it definitely less than you did to the extent that, for the most part, I've almost completely forgotten the show. Yeah. And to me, I, I just think that when it comes to train wrecks, the Oscars have now laid a foundation where we know what a train wreck looks like. It looks like the most beloved movie star in America coming up on stage and yeah. slapping a presenter. It looks yeah. like uh, formerly one of the biggest movie stars in the world reading the wrong best picture winner. Those to me, those <laughs> right. are the things that are train wrecks. Right. What it was with the Emmys was it was absolutely a lot of ideas that really and truly just didn't work. And that is completely true. Just to me, they didn't work in ways that a week later... I've just forgotten about yeah. them. I, so like you, so you mentioned the announcer, Sam Jay, who's a very talented comic. Uh, Sam has a, a very good uh, HBO show wrote for SNL still, I think writes for yep. SNL, et cetera. Yep. No purpose whatsoever to Sam Jay being there. So yep. added nothing to the telecast. And, and honestly, the number of times that attempting to do that kind of stunt announcer thing has ever worked, I, I think the answer is probably none. Like, like, give me an example of a good one. John Hodgman I, did it for the Oscars one year and yeah. wasn't bad. No, Hodgman did it, and uh, didn't Donald Sutherland and Glenn Close do it one time at the Oscars? Did they? I, uh, backstage. <laughs> they were backstage. They had headsets on. And I remember... 
I think it was the uh, it had to be the Oscars, uh, uh, despite the fact that Donald Sutherland's never been nominated. <clears throat> um, but anyway, I don't want to get into that. That's a whole different can of worms. But if I'm not mistaken, Donald Sutherland was sitting at a table, and I think it was with Glenn Close, and they had headsets on. And every once in a while, the roaming camera would go back, like during a commercial break, and they would say, "Hey, coming up next, blah blah blah." I'm almost positive, unless you know they did a they they switched off and they had a whole bunch of people doing it. But I specifically remember Donald Sutherland having a headset on, sitting backstage at a desk, saying, coming up next, you know, Robin Williams or whatever. Huh. I do not know why that is the thing that I'm currently blanking on. Yeah. I will take your word that it existed. But as a yeah. rule, it is not a thing that yeah. ever adds much. And kind of the best case scenario is you mostly just don't notice it and then right. you move on. Right. Uh, this people were noticing people were being yeah. annoyed and yes. then Sam J kind of vanished as the show went along and that's how it goes. Uh, Zed, the DJ yeah. definitely added nothing to the telecast. As I always say in these cases, the DJ is there to keep the people in the auditorium alert. So sure. maybe, Maybe what Zed was doing in the commercial breaks was better. I don't know. At, again, added absolutely nothing other than confusion because people right. were like, wait, why is that the music they're using? Right. right. Um, you, you mentioned people getting cut off, and that's kind of what happens always on a show like this. But boy, they started with that early and part of why they started with that early is because Michael Keaton gave a two to three minute opening speech in the very first award and no one was going to play him off but the second he got off stage someone looked at the clock and said yeah we're not going to be on time if this happens every person so they started playing everyone off and you know as awful as that is it did give us Jennifer Coolidge dancing so you know every once in a while you get something but by the end of the show nobody was getting any time at all and no one had anything to say that was the other interesting thing is that a number of the winners as we got to the second half of the show had won either so many times or had won so recently that they simply weren't in any well, way amusing. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, and they're clearly, at, and, when they, and when they did go past, they're clearly not going to cut off Lizzo. That's not going to happen. She could have talked for 15 minutes. You know what I mean? But that, I feel like they didn't. Didn't they try to? I thought they no, tried to, think... and she just, and she just refused to get. Oh, oh no, did they definitely. Yeah, oh, I'm pretty they? sure okay. they tried to because she was doing trying to do the whole thing where she tried to she get tried them to, to come down up. from the balcony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. that was never going to happen because that right. just takes way the hell too long yeah. to yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, they were they were cutting everyone off. They cut they cut John Oliver off, and that was disappointing because you know someone who's reliably funny you don't want to cut off. Of course, and then we still had to get the entirely not funny thing where Will Arnett dragged Jimmy I, Kimmel on stage in slow motion. I don't even understand. <laughs> I, and he caught, and Jimmy Kimmel caught a lot of hell for that. And um, you know, um, I don't know. It it just it, it didn't see. I I didn't find it offensive like like some people did. I just thought it was stupid. I oh. just didn't. <laughs> I just think it I, didn't work. Look, it, I thought it was stupid and I thought it didn't work. I, It was absolutely disrespectful. Whether you find it offensive is a completely different thing. Yeah. But I don't think anyone could reasonably say that it wasn't disrespectful. This That was Quinta Brunson's moment. Yeah. She yeah, won yeah. her first Emmy. For most people watching the show, since it was an NBC show, they might not have even known who she was at all. 
And for the rest of history, she will always be photographed standing with her Emmy directly above Jimmy Kimmel playing dead as part of a bomb gag. I, I right. mean, that's that that to me really is disrespectful. And I, th I think he got as much guff as he deserved. They did the whole apology thing when she came on his, right. his show a couple days later, which right. had already been scheduled. So it was going to happen regardless. Right. Uh, and, you know, no harm, no foul long term, but I absolutely think it was disrespectful and it was stupid and he should have just stood up and gotten off the stage. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought the whole thing was, yes, I agree. It was just stupid. It was just stupid. And the whole, and, I, and when he brought him out and they did the bit, I was like, this is okay. This isn't funny. Can we just get to it and get the hell? Well, how did you feel about how Keenan did? I thought Keenan, he tried hard, but he can only do so much when the material right. is subpar. Right. I thought the the monologue was was fairly hacky stuff. It wasn't offensively bad at any point, but nor was it particularly funny. But he tried. I thought that all of the stuff with him and the various song and dance numbers, I, I thought that it was kind of funny because of his mostly lack of participation. Right. I've said this. Right. I've said this over and over again, though. I don't understand how you don't make that into a what's up with that number. I don't know how Sudeikis yeah. doesn't come out there and dance with him I at the end. I agree with you. Yes. I, just just way too obvious. And, I don't and I, know. I also thought that the, some of the material that they wrote for him was not Keenan Thompson material. I don't like Keenan Thompson. I, it doesn't sit right with me. Keenan Thompson doing like Netflix insult jokes. You know what I mean? Like that, oh, that sure. kind of stuff, the insult comedy, that's not Keenan, man. And clearly it was like, okay, you're hosting an award show. You have to do this kind of shit, so you have to do it. But that's not – I'm watching. I'm like, look, I'm a Keenan fan, and I know that he didn't write this, and I know that he's, like, just doing it because they told him to do it, you know? But it's tough, though, because what is Keenan material that would have gone in, 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 that, in that slot, in that monologue spot? What, what is it that you think would have been the right thing? I think he's just a – he's a – He's a different kind of talent, and they did not figure out how to play to his strengths yeah. very often. Uh, and you mentioned the the Good Burger reunion, yeah. but that's all it was. Like, why did yeah, nobody think yeah. to give them something to do together as opposed mm -hmm. to just, hey, look, it's Kel. Yeah. He's at the bar. Yeah, He's at the it. bar. Yeah. That's <laughs> the only thing that's to the joke there. No one, right. No one thought to say okay, now is there a funny thing we can have these right. two people who it, people love watching together right. do? It was not nearly as awesome as the, um, the reunion of Romy and Michelle. That was, you know, for me, I, that's the, that, to me, that's, you know, that's, that's, the measuring, that's the measuring point right there for me. <laughs> I, I, we, we, we know your peculiarities on that one. Um, no, so I'm trying to I'm trying to think of what else he actually did in the telecast, and the answer is very little. And then, yeah. of course, there was the unfortunate thing where they had the whole cast of Only Murders in the Building. They had Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez come out, and their material was collectively significantly better, significantly more tailored to their respective personae, and yeah. so. Everybody at home is going, why aren't they the hosts? Right. And the answer is because they couldn't make the schedule work. Right. <laughs> it's not like they didn't want them to be the host. Of course they did. No one thinks Keenan Thompson was their first choice to host this show. Mm. But it's, it's not an easy gig to schedule around, and so they couldn't. So uh, 
the the category what's what exactly is the category the variety sketch comedy what is the category that SNL won in against one other what? it is it is definitely a a category where they do not know what they are well but there you you go every year and you can go down the list and there are so many Emmy categories and some of them simply don't fit with what television is and so that is clearly one where you have Saturday Night Live winning purely on reflex over yeah. uh over Black Lady Sketch Show which right. is probably a better show I you know I think it's it's also inconsistent but I think it's a better show and it's just clear that the Emmy voters really just don't watch and they no, just of course not. check the yeah. box yeah. Uh, but then you also had the Creative Arts Emmys the week before where we had to see the original movie for television category, which was kind of at some point once an important category, uh, going to the Chip and Dale movie on on Disney Plus, and and for that not even to have been a ridiculous choice within a category that was full of ridiculous options, yeah, it, oh, there there are, there are categories that need revision, and yeah. I don't know if the TV Academy is going to be smart enough to do what needs to be yeah. done. Well. Anyway, I I just thought, I watched it. I just was shaking my head the whole time while I was watching it. I just I I, I don't know. And and I mean and and like I said before, like I was really distracted by the traffic issues. Like I was like I was concerned. I was as a, as a person who's directed plays and stuff. I was like, why are you? What? Who? You know what I mean? Like the like, who? Because I was concerned about people getting off stage and back on. I felt anxiety while I was watching the damn thing. Well, and part of and part of that had to do with the fact that. I don't know if they made last minute decisions on the setup or something, but the the director never was in the right place with the Absolutely. cameras. Absolutely. <laughs> and and that to me is kind of reflective of either last minute decisions on various things or people not showing up for rehearsals, you know, yeah. things like there 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 are things that a director has to know <laughs> to do if they're directing yeah. a show yeah. and there was no sense that the director knew where anyone was coming from anyone was going and where he wanted to be for all yeah. of it it was it was a badly directed uh, absolutely terrible i will say this uh molly shannon vanessa bear made me very happy uh <laughs> look any- there were certain things that this <laughs> telecast did 100 percent for you nick and you should be appreciative yeah. that they at least so, did those things and am i am i just like when when they actually came up on stage together first of all i was just like yay because i love them both so very much and then of course i started thinking oh wait a minute maybe does that mean a second season uh, <laughs> for, for, for for the show, is it gonna happen? And then I'm thinking, no, because nobody watched. I was the only person that watched the first season of it. But it was nice to see the two of them up on stage. They and they also really didn't have any good material. But it was it was still funny to see them up there, especially given that Keenan had made the joke about how uh, no one watches Showtime early in the show. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Now you know, you we were talking about like the director didn't know where to put a camera. What was it? Also, the winners didn't know where the hell to go because they were presenting awards in different part of the stage and it was kind of in the round and there were stage you know thrusts out in different parts of this of the space and everything and at one point if i remember speaking of vanessa bear i can't remember who it was but somebody won and i saw vanessa bear stand up and point to where they had to go so like <laughs> she directed the winner to this you got to walk around back here go up these stairs and to this stage and, and i remember vanessa bear standing up and helping the person direct them to where they needed to go <laughs> maybe there just maybe there just wasn't 
any time to rehearse this year. And so maybe they maybe they didn't rehearse. Maybe they didn't tell nominees what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, there was the whole thing about uh, the ability to put some of your thank yous up on the screen right. in text, yeah. which was supposed to be helpful in some way. It wasn't. And most of the people who won didn't do it. And I think probably it's because there must have been an introductory email, an introductory packet to nominees that said, okay, here's how you can do this thing on the screen. If you win, here is the path up to stage, et cetera, et cetera. And, and just nobody read it. That is, (laughs) that is my, that is my guess. I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, still, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, it, it was so for you. You forgot about it a week later. I'm still pissed. Okay, uh, totally, totally fair. And, and and as you can hear, it's not like I'm not capable of getting pissed again with proper <laughs> instigation. It's not like it's not like it's deep below the surface, <laughs> right? But it's it's just not dwelling in my mind uh, the way it might have been if we'd talked last Tuesday. Okay. All right. Well, the Emmys. Uh, that's the wrap up for the Emmys for this year. We'll do it again next year, and, and we'll both be angry again. Uh, so there you go. All right. Um, uh, for the fine print, F-I-E-N, you just, uh, you just uh, th- threw something up there on the social medias and on uh, the fine print about Quantum Leap. Now, you are familiar with my old, wonderful producer, Mr. Dan Chagru. I am. And Dan, uh, who I, I, you know, uh, I speak to him every once in a while. We still keep in touch every once in a while. He's a wonderful dude, one of the best producers you could ever work with in the radio business. Uh, his favorite show, his obsession the craziest obsession that he has is for Quantum Leap. Now, I have not spoken to him about the new version, about the reboot, uh, but, like, we have, like, over the years, the the subject of Scott Bakula comes up very often. Like, (laughs) I remember many years ago, I was on this insane uh, crusade to get every single human being on the planet to watch Men of a Certain Age, and I still love that damn show. And I loved him on it, and 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 I kept screaming at Dan because he didn't watch it. And Bakula's great on it, and he didn't watch it. So, outside of Bakula, who is not in the the reboot, uh, the new Quantum Leap series, you got to see how much of it? You only saw the first episode, correct? Only saw the first episode, which okay. unfortunately is just what happens. I would say it's what happens with fall new tv shows but i watched six bleeping episodes of fox's monarch so it's it's not really (laughs) fair and i i would have loved to have seen a second episode of quantum leap but it was not available to get to me in time i'm sorry dan but the the monarch just cracks me up i don't know why the whole like when you 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 posted uh, and i said uh, shocking when you posted that it sucked but for some reason, every time I see a commercial for it, whenever I see any kind of advertisement for it, whatever, any time, anything, the whole, the whole idea of Monarch, this show on Fox, just makes me laugh. I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's just like this is so goddamn ridiculous that every time I hear the name or see it, I laugh. And just your reference to bleeping episodes of Monarch. <laughs> I, I think there are definitely funny things to the idea of Monarch, whether it's how blatantly it's trying to be country music empire uh, or the crazy idea that somebody somewhere thought, OK, we're going to do a country music show and it is going to be 
tailored to red state America. And we are going to do a show about a country music family for red state America. And we're going to have the matriarch played by Susan Sarandon. I think that's one of the top reasons why I laugh my ass off. I mean, like, is it, I'm not, I'm not going to watch the goddamn thing ever, but is Trace Adkins like her husband? He is. (laughs) (laughs) That apparently makes you laugh too. Yeah. I can't even. I can't even. I mean, is it is it at least like so no, bad? It's no, funny? Whatever, no? no, whatever. No, whatever. Whatever okay. you're about to ask. No, it no. is. It is. <laughs> okay. It is simply. It is simply a bad, generally inert show. Because there's no reason why you can't do a soap opera that is not of high quality, but is still juicily entertaining. Like Nashville on yeah, ABC was yeah. never a good show. It was right. a show that was juicy silly and the original songs were fairly good yeah um, monarch I, I had yeah. a little fun watching nashville i thought nashville was kind of fun to watch how much yeah. fun how much when, not, when a, not, a ton, not 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 a ton <laughs> but i mean i listen just the idea of monarch makes me go i would never in a million years but nashville it had it had people in it that i like a lot and you know and it was kind of the episodes that i did see here and there i didn't hate them you know what I mean? Like the two seconds of Monarch that I see in the commercials is enough to make me want to vomit after yeah. I laugh, after I laugh. So that's, you know, it's a, it's a bad show. And it also came out in a, a week where I had to write three straight up pans for, for new shows. I, you know, I, I like to like things and yeah. I had to write three. What were they? Uh, there was Monarch. There was Peacock's Last Light. Featuring the not-so-triumphant return of Matthew Fox to television. Oh, God. Um, okay. And then on the, on the more, on the actually genuinely disappointing side, uh, I, I thought Showtime's American Gigolo was dreadful. Uh, and okay. uh, yeah. that, that was the only one that I had actual yeah. hopes for, unfortunately. I am, I am with you on that, by the way. It's a it's a pity that that one yep. felt like it had some potential, Agreed. and instead it really just it's not did good. not. No, it's not good. Okay, so you were in the middle of writing these reviews when you had to write about Monarch. <laughs> it's, it was it was oh, it was a rough week. Some yeah. weeks I write a lot of enthusiastic stuff, and I feel like I'm being excessively a cheerleader for things. Other weeks I feel as if, oh my god, am I watching another six episodes of something that is just awful that I'm going to have to write a. Uh, pan for and yeah. that week that week was especially rough okay well quantum leap i know it's not going to lift you out completely out of the doldrums but you've only seen one episode and and i mean you know i, I the, what was the headline that you just wrote it was about exposition what was the headline that you wrote uh let's see that was it would have been uh my editor who wrote it oh, okay. and he the headline he used something like I... if you like exposition you will love the first episode of quantum leap or something along those smart ass um, lines let's see well the the headline is time travel reboot gets sucked into an exposition vortex ah. which uh but your first yeah. line uh, isn't it like something like if you uh, like exposition you uh, for some reason why am i thinking that the... i feel like i might I, pr- I feel like i might have tweeted it i okay, don't even know there you go well whatever uh, it is. Uh, my my bottom line was too much talking not enough leaping uh, right. reg- it's 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 all of a piece because boy oh boy they spend a lot of time talking in the new quantum leap and uh, to me it feels like a kind of violation of 
the entire purpose of reboot culture, which is supposed to be that you're putting these shows out there and it's an established name, it's an established brand. So maybe there's the opportunity for some shorthand. There is no shorthand in this Quantum Leap. Everything is written long form and spelled out. And there's just too much talking and too much explaining and not enough actually having fun with the premise. And so we'll see if subsequent weeks become more entertaining uh we'll also see if i watch subsequent weeks uh but the star is raymond lee and he is he's good there whatever problems the show has he is responsible for absolutely none of them and i am not prepared to go so far as to say he's great and he's a breakout star but i get the feeling that he could also be a really good star of a really good version of Quantum Leap if they gotcha. ever get there. Um, gotcha. But it is tied to the original show, so Dan Segru can either be happy or unhappy about that, depending okay. on okay. feelings. Uh, but for whatever reason, timed to its premiere, Scott Bakula decided that was the moment he wanted to do a social media post about why he wasn't going to appear on the new show, which seems like not very good promotion, right. uh, but seems to me, and I speculated this in my review, entirely like a negotiating tactic because sure. the show is so devoted to having the backdrop of the original show that the show can't work if they don't find a way to get Scott Bakula on it. It, it simply cannot well, function. <laughs> they can't, literally can't find a way to get Dean Stockwell. Indeed. So. So so it's either going to be that Scott Bakula is just negotiating and placating and whatever, and they'll find a way to get him on by midseason. And I would I would say that's I I would say that's like 90 percent what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And the other alternative is that at any given point, you could have anybody within the show suddenly announced that Scott Bakula just le- leapt into their body and that of they're course. now Sam Beckett in a <laughs> yeah, different body. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Which, But the thing is, if they do that, they would piss everybody off so royally that it would be like a kiss of death. So I am I am assuming that at some point they will simply back the truck up to, if, if there's any point, if it tanks out of the box, then the show will just get canceled at midseason and no one will care. But if it's right on that edge where they think they have something, they have to give Scott Bakula whatever he wants to be in the show in whatever capacity he's comfortable with. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you've only seen one episode, so... uh, Only one episode. Okay, so that's Quantum Leap, and that review is out there. All right, let's let's dive into something really good, then, that you can can talk about. Um, uh, The the new PBS documentary from Ken Burns. Uh, Please tell us all about that. That would be the U.S. and the Holocaust, and it premiered on Sunday night. And I believe all three installments, uh, it is a three-part, six-hour series. And I believe that all three episodes are going to be online, and they might already be. But the next two are going to air on Tuesday and Wednesday night. They were supposed to air on Monday and Tuesday night, but then PBS gave over its scheduling to Queen Elizabeth's funeral. And so... Uh, Anyway, so it is a six-hour documentary that is, as the title says, it is about the Holocaust, but through a specific spectrum of uh, this is what the United States did, this is what the United States didn't do, here's what the United States could have done, here's why they did or didn't do what they did. So there are the things that people who know about the Holocaust know about and and have as part of their regular 
this was a thing that we failed to do discussion and and some of it is the obvious stuff why didn't we enter the war earlier why did we not make liberating the concentration camps earlier a focus rather than a secondary focus uh, why didn't we bomb the concentration camps so those things there's also the story of the St. Louis, uh, the the refugee vessel or the sh- sailing vessel, I guess, but that had 937 uh, Jewish refugees that were specifically turned away from ports of call in the United States and Canada and sent back to Europe where nearly a third of them were killed in death camps. And mm-hmm. basically... The points at which the United States had opportunities to let in refugees, to be a beacon of light, and how we didn't do that, why we didn't do that, when the United States lives up to its ideals, again, as a beacon to the nation, and when we fail in living up to our ideals. And it's it's Ken Burns, so there's a certain underlying dryness to it, but because of the subject matter, I think it is unquestionably one of the most visceral films he's ever made. It will make you angry. It will make you sad. Occasionally it will make you almost inspired because there are things that people did. And if they saved 50 people, if they saved a thousand people, that's not nothing. And so there's triumph in that amidst the horrible and incomprehensible tragedy. It's, it's powerful stuff. And it is, it is so current and it is so relevant and it should be such a a warning to us about how important it is to respect people's humanity and to and to treat people with humanity especially the least fortunate and the most in need and so you know, not to get political, but whatever. If we if we are living in a war, a world where Republican governors are using immigrants as political pawns yep. and dehumanizing them to score political points, someone needs to take a step back and say, "This is what happens when you do not treat people as people. This is what happens." Right. And it is. It is stark, it is horrifying, and I, I wish it weren't essential, but it really and truly is okay. essential viewing. That's the U.S. and the Holocaust, Ken Burns' new PBS documentary. Again, you can check uh, the internet to see if it's streaming, but uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, you said, are the next episodes? Tuesday. I believe Wednesday. so. And then, of course, it will just be online. So- that would be tonight tonight and tomorrow night. Yes, correct. Uh, and then it's available online. But look it up. PBS, look up your, your local PBS station. And just, you know, you can Google it, look online. I'm sure it's streaming in places. Ken Burns, The U.S. and the Holocaust. And it should be it should be noted, Ken Burns, Lynn Novick, and Sarah Botstein. Uh, so course, always, yes. always important to remember Ken Burns' respective collaborators because he likes people to remember his collaborators. Of course. No, that makes sense. I, you know, it's, it's just such a blanket thing, though, when you hear Ken Burns. Oh, totally. Okay. You know, <laughs> and and it's the pro- and it's the problem writing the review is that you know my instinct is always yeah. simply to just write Burns does or Burns right. says, right. and it becomes instead the filmmakers do. But it's right. you know he so, and Lynn Novick has uh, co-directed um, a lot of his most right. recent and most terrific stuff. Yes, so. thank you for bringing that up. That was sure. uh, I, I was remiss. Thank, uh, thank no, you. No, um, all right. Well, listen. Hey, speaking of good, hey, Atlanta is back for God's sake. Um, and it's, this is the last season and I don't, I don't know even what to say. Um, uh, the show rules. 
Um, at, at least they didn't make you wait long for this one. No, no, they did not. They did not. And I, and I will say this. Um, you know that that wonderful, um, that wonderful sort of uh, uh, weird first half of the season that we've talked about. How strange it was, and the kind of experimenting that they did. Clearly, that's not what's happening in this second half. At least, <laughs> at least based upon the first two episodes. They're back in Atlanta. It's the main characters. They're not in Europe. Uh, and they're, they're also, when they're not, uh, when the main characters aren't in it, they're, they're, there are actually characters that we know in a universe that we're familiar with. <laughs> um, so, yes, the weird one-off episodes, Twilight Zone-ish things that they did in the first half of this season, not happening here as far as the first three episodes, correct? Well, um, I... I agree completely that it's they're not standalones, and that's that's the difference I would make because I, I absolutely actually think that all of the first three are kind of Twilight Zone oh. episodes. I think the first episode in particular was totally a Twilight Zone yeah. episode. Yeah, it was just a Twilight Zone episode that happened to feature all of the main characters of the show in Atlanta for the first time in a long, long time. Right. Uh, so that was a rather tremendous <laughs> relief. Um, yeah, and the and so I've seen three episodes, and all three do indeed feature. Uh, they're all all three are built around Urn, and so I've talked about how I didn't understand how um, know, Donald Glover got his lead actor Emmy nomination this right. year. Right, he is the lead of these three episodes, so I think that is a large difference. Still, not enough Zazie Beats, uh, but um, yeah, I I really really enjoyed the first three. I think they're different enough in tone that I think it's possible to have very different preferences. Like I thought that the first episode, uh, I thought the most Atlanta was significantly better for me than the homeliest little horse, but I thought the homeliest little horse was also a really good episode. So, you know, it's all, uh, there's room for preferences in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the homeliest little horse left me. I was astonished by it. I was just like, um, I don't know when it, when it was over, I was like, is this the sort of like, the ballsiest statement that Daniel, Donald Glover can make about what a prick Urn is? Is that what he's trying to do? <laughs> is that... Because <that, laughs> when it was over, I'm like, oh my God, how awful. You know, like I was amazed by how it all came together and what the whole, the function, what, what really happened. And I started to put it together with about 10 minutes left. You know, I was like, wait, is he really going to, is this going to be really? And then at the end with the payoffs and the envelopes, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. I, I don't know. I was kind of speechless when that second episode ended. It is, it is definitely a scathing episode. There is, yeah. There's no question about that. And a scathing episode directed back at the main characters, which, yeah. is not always, which is not always the direction the show goes. Sometimes the show is happy to be scathing in the direction of other people for being idiots. In this case, it, it is directed at, at Earn, and I think, it's, I, I think it's still sympathetic. It's kind of saying he's damaged, but maybe more damaged. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I, I liked how elegantly absurd the first episode was. I, oh, yeah. I thought it. Yeah, I yeah. thought to me it felt like it was a beautifully constructed, orchestrated journey around Los a not Los Angeles, around Atlanta, bringing mm -hmm. the characters back into this world. But this world is also alien yeah. for yeah. that it's not actually their home terrain, etc., etc. Yeah, et yeah. yeah. I, I just liked all of the steps of kind of recognizing in that first episode. <laughs> where everything was going and what it right. meant. The woman in the scooter destroyed me. I just, every every time they showed her, I was laughing. And 
um, just the shot of like uh, Paperboy in the tr- in the truck, just watching the woman go down st- the crowded street in the scooter. I don't know. It just every time they showed her, I would crack up every uh, single. That time. is that is because Brian Tyree Henry watching th- watching things with uh, a <laughs> yeah. mixture of, of yeah. disgust and incredulity and boredom is always funny. <laughs> always so. yes, always. Well, so I loved I loved the first two episodes. I mean, obviously, I think Atlanta is one of the best TV shows ever. And and so the third one, uh, can we get a little preview from you? Uh, which uh, the third one? Week? The third one is. Uh, very Alfred centric, very music industry centric. And if you like the strange things that the show has done with celebrities who maybe aren't actually appearing on episodes, uh, there's a very, very good one in this episode. All right. Great. All right. Well, uh, so there we go. We got that to look forward to. And since the last time we talked, what we do in the shadows wrapped up. Um, and that, there was a there was a three to four episode stretch this season that was great. I wasn't crazy about the last episode because it seemed like they just wrapped everything up and set up for the next season, which they just seemed too too clean. Did for me. but I thought there was a poignancy to it. Like I like a hundred percent. You're right. It was a it was a what is the neatest way that we can wrap yeah. wrap up everything that was messy about this season so yeah. that we can kind of reboot. But yeah. I, I still thought that there was a sweetness and a sadness to a lot of it that I I appreciated. And yeah. but but you're right. There really was a four or five episode stretch that was as good as anything that show has done ridiculous so uh, that's another another great one uh what do you what are you what have you seen lately what will you be writing about in the next few days and for the next time we uh we chat i mean we'll be full on into the new seasons of shows fall season we will indeed um i've seen very little of the new stuff though i have seen the first two episodes back of uh abbott elementary and Mm -hmm. all i will say is that the premiere of the new season of abbott elementary is one of my favorites um that the show has done and features a fantastic guest star who I will not reveal. Okay. Um, let's see. This is going to come out before I'm allowed to give a full review for Disney Plus's Andor. Uh, but what I can say is it's very different from the other Disney Plus Star Wars shows in the same way that Rogue One was well, very different from. Yeah. Rogue One so, is my favorite. Rogue One is my favorite Star Wars. And movie this movie. is why this is why I am telling you that much. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah. Okay. That's so I mean, it is actually by far my favorite Star Wars. And, movie and so I think I think you I think you probably will be interested in it. And that's yeah. that's all I will say. There there yeah. is a social media embargo that has lifted, but there gotcha. is no other embargo. I got you. I got you. Um, but uh, before we go anywhere else, last time we talked, we uh, you were talking about your devotion to all things Tolkien. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts were on the first couple episodes of Lord of the Rings. I was uh, underwhelmed. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, they, hey, you know what you said about you know what you said about Quantum Leap? There's a lot of that in the in uh, in, in 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 what I watched. Um, I I I'm I'm in the universe. I'm totally in the universe, and I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, and I'm and I will continue to watch it, but I just thought there was a lot of blabbing. How much have you actually watched the first two? Okay, yeah. Um, I don't know how much no. is available. How much is out there? Uh, uh, four, now. four of them. Okay, I've only watched two of the four. I've only watched. Yeah, two. you you are missing two, and the other two are are of a piece, and and so you know take that as you will. Okay. Like I, it it has not fallen off the cliff in quality or in whatever uh nor however has it suddenly stepped up into a different pantheon gotcha. but uh but i you know i've i've found it watchable i haven't needed to 
you know, they, they have sent out early screeners a day or two in advance and I haven't felt any need to watch it early to rush. But I have to been, it, yeah. but I have been watching it every Friday or Saturday night and been finding it reasonably pleasant. Uh, okay. and also been enjoying watching it with, um, subtitles, which has been very, very helpful because yeah. it lets me know what people's names actually are and how they're spelled <laughs> because otherwise I would never begin to know those things. That's true. And you, but you have to spell those names out when you write the reviews. Oh, it's, so. it's, it's awful and they're it's not awful, helpful. Yeah. Whereas, whereas if you watch it actually on Amazon, you get to watch it with that fun Amazon technology where it will tell you every actor and every character's name and all of that. Cause they have the, the fun in-screen IMDB thing that, right comes up on screen which is still one of my favorite things that i wish every streaming service had uh yeah. but yes i i've been watching it in that context because that way i can know what people's names actually are gotcha. so yay right. it's important all right well lots of stuff will happen between then and that and uh, uh between now and the next time we talk always a pleasure uh dan the fine print f-i-e-n hollywood reporter and uh the po- the new podcast uh, episodes will drop on uh, on friday uh dan always a pleasure we'll talk to you next time talk to you soon nick okay buddy take care that's uh, Dan Feinberg, and he's awesome. And let's now move on over to Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda, yeah. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esma, I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda, yeah, yeah. Esmeralda Leon. There it is, the famous Esmeralda Esmeralda theme by Jason Skaggs. We thank Jason for that, and uh, it's always great to uh, to talk to uh, to Esmeralda Leon, who is on the show all the time, and uh, and uh, and today is uh, Tuesday, which means, of course, that my dad is going to uh, call in and tell a joke, and Esmeralda and I will hopefully laugh at that joke. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I think we usually do. Yeah, it's funny. My dad's a funny. <laughs> my dad's a funny dude. Even if a, it is uh, a little delayed sometimes, but yeah, it takes a little while. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes the jokes take a little because he sometimes he throws in some thinkers. Oh yeah, for me so, at least. I don't know about you. So <laughs> yeah, thinkers. So so by the way, and I so see. I just mentioned my our, our good friend, the incredible Jason Skaggs. Mm-hmm. Um, who does all the music, all the themes, all the wackiness, the commercials, the fa- he did, uh, most recently he did this. Esmeralda's Law Firm! Which is our, you know, our theme for our new business, Esmeralda, yeah. as you know. Yeah, yeah, Esmeralda is the lawyer and I'm the bitch. And uh, if you have any issues with weird laws that you need help with, well, you need to... Esmeralda's Law Firm! Well, anyway, um, I was... You know, I don't have, you know how back at the car wash, uh, I, I had the, the wonderful uh, reverb mm-hmm. that yeah, I could yeah. hit and go, yeah, you know, and do that thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have one hooked up here in my dining room <laughs> to, <laughs> to the equipment and the mic where I do my podcast. Right. So, uh, you know, this is something that uh, uh, I've talked to Jason about, you know, because every once in a while I'll call Skaggs and I'm like, hey, man, can you do a little theme for this and blah, blah, blah. We talk. We talk pretty regularly. He's an amazing guy. So something shows up uh, at my front door of my apartment from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I open it up 
and uh, and it's from Jason, and and Skag sent this to me. He sent me a megaphone. <laughs> he ordered me a megaphone so that nice. I could have some sort of reverb. So I'm going to give this a yeah. shot, Esmeralda. Let's see what happens. Are you ready? Okay. Right. If I blow the speakers out or if I blow the mic up, then Ed at Radio Misfits is going to be very pissed at me. But here we go, okay? I'm, I'm going to use the megaphone. that I ha- mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a regular-sized megaphone. I had to put four batteries in it. It's not like a bullshit megaphone. It's like a real thing. It's got a oh. siren. It's got a it's siren. It's not even like just a mini one? No, it's like a regular-sized oh. megaphone. And, by the Goodness. way, the, the handle is also a bottle opener in case I go back oh, there to you go. drinking beer. I can open up a bottle. But it's got like it's got this. Well, you could get, um, you know, you could get some glass bottles. Here's it. Wait, root here. beers and... Here, it's got this. You know, okay, so it's got, <laughs> it's got a siren. Mm-hmm. But okay, let's let's try and see what happens. If I, I'll just do a yeah, man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So that's. that's yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. What's going on? Hey. Oh, geez. A little feedback going on. Yeah, a little what's bit. Going? Hey, man. What are you doing? All right. There you go. Uh, okay. Yeah. Listen, uh, you must release at least one hostage from the bank. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> you hear me, Al Pacino? Otherwise, uh, we're going to have to come in. So, yeah. So that's there not is. bad. No, so that's it. He, he said for so, and then I get home. <laughs> I get home. I went out to see a, 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 my friend Julie, who is a lovely woman. Um, mm-hmm. um, and I was hanging out with her yesterday, and I came home from visiting her. And at my front door, usually... Uh, if packages are left in my lobby, they're stolen. I've talked to you about my neighbors here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I very rarely, I mean, even in my building, I don't, I, I hate, I don't like uh, having stuff come to my house. Yeah. No, I have it sent to my parents' place. I always yeah. do. Whenever I order anything, it goes to my parents' place. But uh, Skaggs just, like, he knew my address and just had this sent from Amazon. <laughs> and and I don't know how it happened, but it, it it was in front of my door. And I live on the second floor, so someone oh, brought it up to the second floor. And how nice. Of, and, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, and I walk in and I open it, and it's from Skaggs, and he sent me an email. <laughs> and he's like, I, got, I sent you something crazy in the mail, man. So. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So there it is. So well, That's so nice. It's yeah. very nice of him. And the reason why he sent it to me is because I had him record this for me because, you know, I, I always want to do the year, you know, that kind of thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it all goes back to Captain Whammo, the 70s FM disc jockey that I used to listen to when he was always, you know, yeah, you know, always on, had the, you know, the reverb, all mm-hmm. that stuff. So I was like, hey, can you re- can you do some sound drops for me, uh, Skaggs, where you're saying, yeah, with some major reverb? And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. But he's like, I think you should do it on your own. That's why he sent me the megaphone. But he did record these. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah! That's one. <laughs> okay. Here's another one. Yeah, man! <laughs> kind of just sound like you. And then... Oh, yeah! So he, I do have those at my disposal anytime. Uh. So if I don't want to, if I don't want to mess with the megaphone and pick it up and press the button and maybe right. make the mistake <laughs> of turning the siren on, I could just go... Yeah, man! Yeah! yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. That's very uh, Macho Man. And, oh, it does sound like Macho Man, doesn't it's very it? Very yeah, Macho it really Man. Because it's like, oh, like, yeah. Let's, like, let's it's real. Yeah. <laughs> let's slap yeah. it to a Slim Jim. Yeah, man. Yeah, Slim Jim. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> well, so my thanks to Jason Skaggs for, for, for this little item. Yeah. 
kind of. Yeah, that's a that's very kind of him. Is it so. just just the siren? It's the siren and that, and then it, it records, so I could record something oh, wow. and play it there back. There you go. So I could well, record something. I can record something. Yeah, let me try it. Let me see what happens when I, if I try it. Yeah. Yeah, man. What's going on, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, here we go. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. What's going on, Ooh. man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Oh, and it just continues to play. Yeah, man. What's see- going on, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. What's, what's going on? All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> What's kind of nice about that is you could do the oh yeahs. I can. I didn't know that just, was a feature. I'm just Although, can you turn it on and off? Yeah. Like, can you do one oh yeah and then off? Yeah. And it's off. But it's easier okay. if I just record it. Like, if I record it, hold on. Yeah, that's, it. yeah. Okay. Although, you can only, I'm assuming, do yeah, one man. recording. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, ready? Oh, wait. Hmm. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. All right. Let's see what happens here. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, okay. yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, hell, yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> Jesus. That's like like Harry Russell's got a friend now. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, she does Hi, love I'm the Carrie hi, Russell, Carrie. and I love Nick's show. She's very excited over the sounds that were emanating. I'm, well, she saw the package. Maybe she was the one who brought <laughs> she, it up. Maybe she did. She brought the package up. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think I broke my ass. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> boy, the, just the, this, is, this show is just... Uh, we are top cat. We're like NPR. <laughs> People might get confused. Uh, They'll be like, be "I didn't put on I didn't NPR this, today." I didn't realize this was <laughs> this was an intellectual podcast. I wasn't. I wasn't aware. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, so I listen. You know that uh, in a little while we're working out the dates and everything. But you and I will be on stage doing a live version of this podcast at Zany's in Rosemont. Yes. And we're yes. very excited about it. Um, and uh, I can't wait. We'll have, like, we'll pick out what guests we're going to have on and all kinds of stuff. But mm-hmm. I've worked it out. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to get all the, the details ironed out. But we will have a date very soon that we will begin plugging where the Nick D podcast will be live at Zany's in Rosemont. Nice. So it'll be very, very exciting. exciting. Yeah. Now I asked uh, podcast listeners here, subscribers. Hey, would you be interested? Mm-hmm. Would you come out to Rosemont to see our podcast live? And the response has been very strong. People are like, "Yes, um, nice. I would like to come out." So if you would like to see us live at Zany's, please let us know. You can uh, leave us a voicemail, as we always encourage any voicemails: seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight. Or send us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Would you come out? We want to pack the place. We want to make it uh, yeah. we, we want to make it cool. Maybe for... maybe give us a a good time frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're we're thinking about uh probably beginning of November is probably when yeah. we're because we want to give it enough so, yeah. time to get the date out there, to get everything settled. Right. So be around the beginning of November, 
um, w- would you come out to Zanies yeah. in Rosemont? Does Very that easy. work for you? Does that work for you? <laughs> would you pack the place? Because we want to make sure it's 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 a good deal for Zanies and for us. We want you know. We oh, want for to work sure. So for seven, everyone. Exactly. So 773-417-6948. Leave a voicemail. Say, hey, yes, I will be there at Zany's. Uh, or leave us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We got a few emails already. I got a couple I want to read here, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. This is from Barb. And Barb says, yes, yes. Would love to come out and see you guys at Zany's. I'm originally from Chicagoland, but I live in Madison, Wisconsin. You're welcome to come to Cheeseland, too. We would love it. We would come down from Cheeseland, and I'm a longtime listener since your days with Gary Lee. Oh, wow. And she's been listening a long time, <laughs> let me tell you. So, yes, this is a person who will come from Wisconsin to Rosemont at Zany's. That's pretty amazing. And then Megan says, hi, Nick. Hi, Esmeralda. Yes, yes, please have a show at Zany's in Rosemont. My sister and I are longtime listeners since at least 1998 and all through our five years when we both lived in Japan. Oh, my goodness. You were on Saturday afternoons for us at that time. We could pause the streaming. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, We could pause the streaming player and then hit play when we got home. It was a lifesaver. We were outraged when you were fired. Well, that makes two of us. Um, (laughs) We had already stopped listening to the rest of the car wash, uh, which is an apt description of that place now, but we only stuck around for you. Worried uh, over how you were doing afterwards, and we're glad that you have this podcast. So yes, yes, yes. If you had a a show at Zany's, we would definitely drive in for it. We're in a small town called Streamwood. Oh, it's not that small. Streamwood's not that small. (laughs) Uh, Keep up the good work. That's Megan. So she and her sister and other friends would definitely come out. So that's at least two emails that would bring groups of people to Zanies and Rosemont. Yeah. Oh, my so goodness. That's pretty cool, that's, right? That is. Um, thank you. Yes. Thank you to people who would come and see our mugs in person. <laughs> Absolutely right. Uh, and we appreciate that. So, yes, that's great. And we're thinking about we'll, we'll nail a date down. But uh, this is going to happen. And I hope that people come out. And I'm talking to a few people who will be one of our guests. We're going to have it'll be me and you and then one guest. Mm-hmm. And nice. I've been talking to specific people who I think would be great guests to kick off our very first live podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't like want to mention I don't want to mention anybody in, you know, in, in oh, case well, no, yeah, no. through. But we'll also don't, you know, don't spoil it. Exactly. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it. So. But anyway, if you would like to come out and you would support us, we want to pack the place. Zanies and Rosemont. Please leave us a voicemail or, uh, or an email and giving us the support uh, that you will definitely come out. So, okay. Uh, so, you remember uh, the last time? Remember, remember uh, when we were talking about stuff before? <laughs> uh huh. Yes. <laughs> well, we were talking about worst songs, that, worst songs ever that sold millions of copies on the last episode. Yeah, and, and I was fine with most of them. Yes, you. Were. <laughs> you were angry about some of those, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh... Well, I was. There were. I mean, I don't worry. Be happy sends me into a a, a rage. Um, yeah, for me, most of them. If I didn't enjoy them, it was just more ambivalence than right. you, you had rage. I did well specifically for "Don't Worry, Be Happy," and you know why. I'm not going to go into it, but 
So. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um, so people began to drop emails and voicemails about songs that they hate that we didn't talk about. Ooh, okay, yeah. Uh, and if again, if you want to do that, please, again, any kind of information or any kind of stuff that you want to kick in and be a part of the show, we were talking about songs that you hate, songs that we hate, worst songs ever. You want to send your voicemail, 773-417-6948, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. All right, here is someone who, uh, who, hate, who has a specific song that they hate. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, it's a voicemail from... Hey, Nick, this is Dave. Uh, was a long-time listener. Glad you're back um, doing your podcast. You were talking about uh, terrible songs that uh, were on the list. I don't know if this one is, but there's one I think is terrible, and maybe you would all disagree. It's Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, it's Our House. It goes, Our House is a very, very fine house. Uh, to me, that's... That song to me drives me crazy every time I hear it. It gets on my nerves. So um, thanks, Nick, and uh, keep up the good work. I love the podcast. Thanks. <laughs> so he just simply wanted to say that Our House by Crosby, Stills, and Nash bugs the shit out of him. I don't think I've ever heard. I, I mean, think, I what, think he was saying, what he was singing sounded familiar, but I can't. If think uh, of anything, else. listen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you've heard it. Trust me. You work for the Loop, uh, Esmeralda, so you've heard. I know, it. but Crosby, Stills, and Nash. <laughs> when I was at the Loop, they were going onto the into the harder stuff, almost. Okay. Um, because they weren't technically they were classic rock, but they were more focusing on the rock. Right. I mean, side of it yeah crosby stills, so crosby nash, stills and nash is a bit to me a little on the like they're more you know, folksy they're more folksy yeah, yeah 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 exactly especially that song especially because it's on yeah. our house he's a very 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 fine house yeah um, i mean i've heard it yeah i just i can't place like the rest of the song yeah i i just remember I, the cor- that i would have to disagree with dave on that one i happen to love that song um, that sounds so quite nice. I really like it a lot. Now, it's the, a very, I, very, I, very fine. Like I like that. <laughs> and it's a really sweet song, you know. And they were known for, you know, those guys in Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I mean, they mm-hmm. were known for a lot of their political and protest songs. So that's just kind mm-hmm. of a really sort of a late '60s hippy dippy kind of a love song, you know. Right. I like. I mean, it. I could see it. You know, if you don't like hippies, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You're not well, into it. <laughs> You got dirty, grimy hippies need a damn shower. And then, the, yeah, uh, and then they, they're, here they are just singing about their... <laughs> about their filthy... I could see why their, you... their filthy-ass house, you know what I mean? Right, so I could see why you don't like it. Right. <laughs> well, I will say this. Another song called Our House, I think, is, is one of the greatest songs ever. Well, for a second, I thought he was talking about that one. I was like, yeah. oh, that's Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. No, that's madness. That's madness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the best, man. Our house in the middle of the street. Our house. That's a jam. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one I, is... well, I don't, yeah, I don't mind either. That's a jam. So. <laughs> That's a, well, you, I think you like, do we, have we discovered, Esmeralda, that you kind of like every song ever? Um, I don't <laughs> like, I'm trying to think of a song I don't like. I, for some reason, I don't like that How Bizarre song. How Bizarre. I don't know why. Who the hell does that? That song's a piece of shit. OM, OMD. I believe That's their who, name is. No, not Orchestral Moves in the Dark. No. They did OMC, if you, then. They did, oh, if you leave, don't leave now. You know, he, they did that from Pretty Then it's Pain. OMC. OMC, okay. It's a, it's a, mon, uh, whatever, letters. Okay. <laughs> it is OMC. 
All right, OMC. So they that did song, the. I just can't, how bizarre. I can't deal with how it. How bizarre. Yeah. I uh, hate that song. That's that's a song that I will do. I'll, I'll just, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I will make a face at. So that's probably maybe one of the few that I don't like. Oh, that's a very specific tune, though, to take. I'm trying to think if there's any <laughs> other songs I don't like. I mean, again, <laughs> I just, I have ambivalence. Yeah. If I, that's probably as far as it goes, other than that well, OMC song. <laughs> for you, it's like, for you, it's like, why am I getting angry? It's just a song. Why are you getting so angry? Well, also, I mean, it's, it has to truly be terrible. Yeah. Like, really, in my ears, just this is okay. horrific, horrendous. Here, okay. Can, can I give you what I, and I, and I guess I, this didn't pop up the last time we talked about this. Can I give mm. you what I think might be the worst song ever recorded in the history of humankind and in the history of music ever, the worst song, the most annoying oh, what? song? All right, you Go ready? Ahead. The guy is, the artist is Matthew Wilder. Okay. Mm, okay. And the song is Break My Stride. It's the worst goddamn song most annoying song ever recorded in the history of music. Matthew Wilder, Break My Stride. I'm not familiar. You're or not familiar? So if I don't I, know. Let me, let me sing it to you. I might, if you play it or if, if I heard it, maybe I know it. I just okay. didn't know who it was. Are you ready? Let me sing it to you. And, and by the way, mm-hmm. if you're Googling him, uh, look at the album cover for that song and look at this idiot's hair and, that, and the mustache. And that will, <laughs> that will only add to the contempt and hatred that one would feel for this goddamn song. Wow. Okay, but here, let me, let me give you a little, uh, I will sing a little bit of it. Are you ready? He looks familiar. Uh, yes, go ahead. Okay. Ain't nothing gonna break my stride. I'm gonna keep moving. You don't moving. like that song? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I got to keep on moving. Wait a minute. How do you not like that That song? is the worst. It's the worst fucking oh, song. Oh, I love ever recorded in the history of humankind it's gotten quite popular in the talks oh it has Mm -hmm. that's another reason why i don't i don't go to tiktok (laughs) yeah because you'll hear that song a lot and it'll yeah it'll ruin it for you i like that song it's the worst song ever (laughs) it's the worst song ever keep on moving it's the fucking worst song ever recorded and it's like maybe and it i don't not Go like ahead. any songs. It's it is the and it, it is not only a terrible song. Not only is it stupid, but it is it represents and is quintessentially everything '80s that was bad about the production, that was bad about the sound of the '80s. Everything that was oh wow distinctively awful in the '80s. That three minutes represents all of it. Oh, I, I can't stand Yikes. that goddamn song. And look at him. Look at that guy. <laughs> If you're Googling Matthew Wilder, break my stride, you're looking he at a jag quite off. some hair. Oh, ain't nothing going to break my stride. So Shut the fuck up. Oh. <laughs> Goodness. He's a jag off. Uh, yeah, I like that song. Oh, God. <laughs> That's Merelda. <laughs> yeah, maybe right. I don't really have uh, any songs I really yeah. I mean, despise. listen. People must like that song because it was insanely popular. The video was on every right. five minutes. It sold millions of copies. So I don't again, know the, it's on the talks now. It's, it's come back. I don't even what is that? What they call it? The talk sounds like a disease. Well, that makes sense. TikTok, on the talk. Yeah, I don't fucking yeah. go to. I hate TikTok. <laughs> Morons dancing and lip syncing and doing stupid shit. Oh, I hate it. Um, 
Anyway, so that so we were talking about the terrible songs, but Our House by Madness I also enjoy. So I like both songs mm-hmm. called Our House. So, all right. Yeah, man! All right. <laughs> that's Skaggs, by the way. That's not me in the... That's not me in the... Uh, it's not Randy Macho Man Savage? It's not... Well, it's not Randy Macho Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah! yeah snap Can you imagine? Shoes. He's like, he's my neighbor. I got him to do it. I got well, he's dead, so it would be very difficult to... Is he? Yes. Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Yes. When did he die? Jeez. Uh, Ten years? Is it maybe? recent? Ten years? He's a wrestler. Oh, wow. Most wrestlers die young, Esmeralda. It's not a happy... What are you talking about? Uh, Steve Austin's still kicking. Well, he's not old. Or is he's he He's younger dead? than me. He's oh, younger okay. than me, Esmeralda. Really? Yes. Stone Cold Steve Austin? He's younger than me. Yes. He's probably around my age. My guess would be 56. I'm 57. My guess would be at is at oldest he's my age. Oh, crazy. That would be my if you Google him. <laughs> Google Google Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm telling you he's under he's either 57 or under. That would he be my guess. He is 57. Okay, there you go. Holy moly. If you're going to go to like go go to Flair. Rick Flair is still around surprisingly. That oh, guy. There you go. Yeah. But if you look at if you were to as well seriously, if you were to like Google Wrestlers who died young, the list is ridiculous. Seriously. Yeah. Well, you know, they're getting Re- smacked around. And they the steroids and the drugs and the lifestyle and all that stuff. Right. And, you know, um, and uh, so many of them are heartbreaking. Story. Like Eddie Guerrero destroys me. The fact that Eddie Guerrero is gone kills me. He's like maybe my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, and, you know, he... Ugh, he was on drugs, he had alcohol problems, and then he got off of that stuff. He was clean, mm-hmm. and then because of all the damage that he'd done with the drugs and all that stuff, his heart gave out, and he died, and he left, oh, behind, no. a, left behind a family. <sighs> and just, it's his heart, and he was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Uh, and so many heartbreaking stories, I mean, and, and horrible things, like Chris Benoit. I don't know if you know Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that was on drugs. He did a whole bunch of steroids. In the middle of the night, he killed his wife and kids and killed himself. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Randy's dead. Randy Macho Man Savage is dead. Uh, and so is Elizabeth. Yeah, I Elizabeth did not is, uh, know that. El- Elizabeth is dead as well. Um, so it's sad. It's sad. But, yeah, this does sound like uh, Randy Macho Man. Oh, yeah. It does. The late, great Randy <laughs> Macho Man. So, uh, real quickly, you know, this article that, I, that uh, we were looking at here are the stories, the backstories behind certain songs. Mm-hmm. And since we were talking about bad songs, I thought maybe it would be kind of interesting to talk about some of it. So Life on Mars by Bowie. By the way, I've not seen the new Bowie doc, the documentary. Um, I haven't either. It looks quite good. It's, like it looked it, just visually. Everything I've heard really about good. it is that it's amazing. Uh, every, I, saw, I know a bunch of people who saw it in IMAX um, mm-hmm. and said it was unbelievable, that it's one of the greatest music docs, one of the greatest music movies ever made. And if you're a Bowie fan, you'll go nuts. And it's playing at the Music Box starting this weekend. It'll be at the music mm. box. So I'm going to see it this week. Um, nice. But I hear it's fantastic, and I can't wait to see it. Um, but uh, Life on Mars, you know the song Life on Mars by Bowie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, David Bowie's songs are always hard to pin down, depending on, uh, as they do largely upon the character or a space alien. Um, uh, but Life on Mars is pretty weird, even for a Bowie song. Now, are you, are see, you a fan? I mean, it sounds pretty... Uh... Um, I mean, yes and no. Like, I don't know any of the deep cuts, mm-hmm. but 
I know most of the he the thing about Bowie and songs and such. The, the thing about Bowie is that he redefined himself so much. Like his music mm-hmm. changed so much. Like if you were listening to like you know the early sort of uh, glam rock hard stuff that he did, you know, and then compare it to stuff like Let's Dance or you know things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he went through a whole bunch of different phases and different sounds. It's one of the reasons why he was such a fascinating artist. Um, but it says with its sweeping, sweeping piano and orchestral arrangement, lyrics describing everything from movie watching to police brutality, but most notably no aliens. <laughs> the BBC called it a cross between a Broadway musical and a Salvador Dali painting. Wow. All right. Which I think is an apt kind of description. For a lot of Bowie's stuff, <laughs> I think, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't it's beca- see this, I don't know, maybe because I'm not that familiar. It doesn't seem that crazy of a song, but okay. <laughs> it says, because it's not entirely his song, uh, now that it's been pointed out, uh, it has the same exact st- uh, chords as My Way by Sinatra. Huh. My Way was actually the result of the publishers, the publishers uh, from a, of a song called Come uh, Habitude, which was a French hit, and uh, that's the song that Bowie was inspired by. But that song was also inspired by My Way. So it's, there's actually a connection wow. between the Bowie song and My Way. So if you listen to that song, it has the same chord structure as My Way. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Life on Mars, the same as My Way. I have to go back and listen to them back to back next to next to each other. Right. <laughs> oh. Okay. You 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 now Esmeralda. There has to be, and the next one that's on the list here, that number three. Yes. You you have to not like this, right? I mean, you can't like this. What? Wait, <laughs> come on now. All right, we'll tell everybody what we're How talking. How do about. you not like this song, Mister Roboto? Come on. It's a piece of shit. Domo arigato, Mister Roboto. Domo. 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 <laughs> Like, even just for the silliness of it. Uh I don't mind it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Roboto was part of a bizarre rock opera. Uh, Yes, it was. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dennis D. Young came up with the idea. You know, when Styx first came out, Ezreal, they're Chicago, South Side. Yeah. Uh, I know people whose homecoming dances they played at. Oh, Uh, boy. I'm not kidding. But when they first started, they were a three-chord rock band. Uh, and, uh, you know, James Young and these guys. Uh, uh, but then once Dennis DeYoung, the movie, they started, like, selling records, Dennis DeYoung kind of took mm-hmm. over creatively, and everything hit the toilet after that. Um, and then by the time he did Kilroy Was Here, they had this rock opera called Kilroy Was Here, Mr. Mm-hmm. Roboto was a concept album, and the rest of the band hated it. <laughs> they hated it. The rest of the band hated it. It seems so. like that that happens to a lot of uh, bands. You know, they when start s- off really simple, yeah, just playing, and then one dude fucks rock it all songs, up. yeah, and then they're like, just like they really want to get creative and art right. and be an artiste. Right, that's all Dennis. And it's D. like, Young's nah, part. man. <laughs> you can blame that all. You can blame that all on Dennis DeYoung. Um, eh, that sounds about right. Idiot. All right, how about this? Tom York really is a creep. Mm. Um. So the song is about how he really is a creep. He's a squirmy dork who's been following some girl around. Mm. Um, but uh, but it's a, a, so it's based on a person who would follow women around, like a real person that he knew. 
Great. Uh, and then Baby <laughs> One More Time, uh, uh, the album title, Oops, I Did It Again, is a senseless miscarriage of punctuation. And the album uh, Baby One More Time is straight up censorship. Hit Me Baby One More Time was supposed to mean uh, it, it was offensive. Is it sexual? Is it violent? Who cares? It's called Baby One More Time. So I guess they were... It, I guess in Sweden, it turns out uh, that it was completely offensive and it had to be... Right. It had to be um, Yeah, I mean... <laughs> And it didn't help I, that she was dressed like a like a high school girl. You know what I mean? Like a sexy the in the video, right? She's like dressed yeah. like a Catholic high school Catholic high school girl. And she was like how old was she at that time? Like seventeen, eighteen when she when those Um, I think so. She was like, Yeah, she was like seventeen. Yeah, 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 you're yeah. right. Seventeen, eighteen, Jesus something like Christ. that. So Hit Me Baby one more time, uh in different parts of the world, uh was misinterpreted. Although uh, there's not much to misinterpret, is there? <laughs> well, it's funny because um it is i mean the songwriters were swedish yes so it's their their miscommunication of things right i'm assuming because they wrote it because i watched that there was a thing on netflix about pop songs and there was a whole section on these writers on the swedish oh right yeah 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 on that group of swedish writers sure sure and yeah they like that's why when you listen to the songs that they've written, they're like insanely simple yeah. because one, there's their native language is not English. So they right. try to like, and then sometimes even because of that, um, like this where the grammar is all weird and off, it's because they yeah. don't speak English. <laughs> well, it's also, it's also, if you got I me, mean, if you historically just go back and listen to the real lyrical complications of movie of, of songs from ABBA. So they're not known yeah. for their... <laughs> Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, all right. Uh, oh, wait, wait a minute. I think my dad is... Uh-oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love yeah! this show. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Uh, my dad's here to tell a joke, Esmeralda. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Uh, all right. Oh, it's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Yeah. Here we go! All right. All right. My dad likes to tell jokes. He's been doing it for 81 years. <laughs> Nice. And some of them, Esmeralda, I think, are 81 years old. <laughs> but uh, timeless. Timeless. Exactly. All right, you ready? Yes. All right, Dad, go ahead. I went to the seafood disco. I pulled a muscle. <laughs> I want to go to the seafood disco. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Where the hell is the seafood disco? I think we need to ask my I'm, dad. He yeah. left already. He just left. Sorry. Hi, I'm Carrie uh, Russell. Yeah, all right, Carrie. I, I, I love I, yeah, Nick's yeah, show. Okay, so yeah. The seafood disco. That's not made up. That's real. I would love to go to a seafood disco. And pull your muscle. Yeah! <sighs> 
Uh, hey, listen, uh, Esmeralda, the next time we uh, next time we chat, let's talk about you know we we've, we've been talking about songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about band wedding songs. Ooh. Okay. Songs that are okay. like banned from most weddings. Like we, we yes. the last time the last time we spoke, I talked about at my first wedding uh, w- w- <laughs> took place at the height of the Macarena, and I told the DJ I'd kill him if he played the Macarena, and he didn't. <laughs> So good man. Yeah, for we'll you. do that. So that'll be coming up. Uh, also, hey, if you want to advertise on the podcast, please do sales at radiomisfits.com. Get in there, be a sponsor, uh, leave your voicemails, uh, any comments, any questions, anything you want to be a part of. 773-417-6948. Email us nickthepodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs uh, for all of this stuff. Yeah, man. And, uh, and all the other cool things. My thanks to radiomisfits.com. Rate and review us on every single platform. Please take the time to do that. And uh, and next time, we'll talk to Jim Ryan, um, who has a full report. He interviewed a Ramon, one of the living Ramones. Yeah, I I heard about that. And uh, he was at uh, Riot Fest, and we'll talk more about that and all of the other music things. And so Jim Ryan will be there, and Esmeralda will be there on the next time, too, and I hope you will, too. Thanks, Esmeralda. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Nick D Podcast. The wind is red on me.